irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. You can find me online through my website, which is nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And at this website, you can schedule sessions with me remotely via phone, Skype, or FaceTime, as well as in-person sessions at my New Orleans or Los Angeles office location. Through NOLA Therapy, you can listen to archived episodes of this show and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can support this show if you like what you have been hearing the last year and a half and become a patron of All Things Therapy through my campaign with Patreon.com. There is a link at NOLA Therapy, or you can go to Patreon.com forward slash Lisa Tahir. I have a really fantastic guest who I know personally. And before I bring her on, I want to take a moment to honor the victims and survivors of Hurricane Harvey going on in Texas and parts of Louisiana and offer a couple of resources to those of you who might want to do something to help. If you are interested in helping the animals, uh, there's a rescue organization that I know personally called Zeus. And their website is Zeus, Z-E-U-S, Rescues, R-E-S-C-U-E-S, dot org, ZeusRescues.org. And all of your donations, which actually you select the items you want for cats and dogs, and it's sent to them that they are directly using with the animals. Additionally, Brene Brown on her Facebook page posted last night, about people there. She's on the ground giving relief efforts through therapy as she's an LCSW also. And she suggested how people really need the basics, underwear, and gave a website for undiesforeveryone.org. I've supported both of these organizations as I'm a survivor of Hurricane Katrina 12 years ago, August 29th. So I ask that you do your part to help people going through this tragedy. And I want to take a moment to honor the late and great Louise Hay, who passed away yesterday. Her website is louisehay.com, and her publishing company is hayhouse.com. And for the last 40 years, 50 years, she has disseminated some of the best mind, body, and spirit authors in the world. Right now, I'm going to bring on Dr. Doreen Carlin. She is a naturopathic doctor and a licensed clinical acupuncturist. She is the clinical director of the Wellbeing Medical Center in Santa Monica, California. She is my doctor and has helped me make some amazing gains in physical pain in my lower back that I've had for over 10 years through a technique that is called auricular medicine. And it's based upon the ear being a microsystem of healing that is connected to the central nervous system, the cranial nerves, and the spine. 
Dr. Carlin has practiced for 17 years. Her work has been published in the American Journal of Psychology, and we're going to talk about this and naturopathic medicine. Welcome, Dr. Carlin. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. I appreciate you being with me and with our listening audience. It's great to be here. I love being able to teach about what I do so that people feel empowered in their own health care and make choices that are really coherent for what their goals are. So can you help us understand, I think, most basically, most basically, what is naturopathic medicine and how is it that you help your patients? Yeah, naturopathic medicine is something that, although it's been around for quite a long time, it is something that's relatively not known by the majority of Americans. Uh, it's a, it started more in Europe and came over um, 50 years ago or so, or even more. And what it does is it really focuses on the healing power of the body. These medicatrix naturae, which means um, we all have the ability to heal from almost anything given the right information. So the way that naturopathic medicine, and especially how I practice, is finding out what's the information I need to give the body. It's not mm. about supplementing for the rest of your life and you know, trying to balance deficiencies. It's about how do I stimulate the physiology of the body so it can remember how to take care of itself. Part of that is through the auricular medicine by Noget that you talked about in rewiring the brain so it can reset patterns that have become... Um, you know, out of, out of alignment. And that can happen through many daily activities that we do or traumas or onsets of illnesses that were never corrected the appropriate way. So, so the fundamental basis of naturopathic medicine is that we, we believe in the body's ability to heal itself when the physiology is encouraged, encouraged instead of suppressed. And that if we can really identify what the causation of the onset of the illnesses, then we're able to bring the body back to before that, um, that interference happened. Mm -hmm. the, the beautiful thing about naturopathic medicine um, is that it really is very difficult to harm someone with the, the techniques that I use. Um, every, every naturopathic doctor practices a little bit differently. Okay. But the way that I practice is I really don't use medications. It's rare if I even do hormonal supplementation because um, I really do believe 100% that the body can be stimulated to uh, recreate the, the balance that it needs. Even when we're going through transitions like menopause or um, things where it's very natural for uh, people to get uh, medications like hormone replacement therapy. Um, so... And, um, and the, other, the other principles of naturopathic medicine include uh, really having a relationship with the patient that is on the same level. Um, even though we want to teach the patient everything that we can about how their body works and how to empower them, it's about uh, really focusing on what is the patient's goal and how do they want to have their health care be provided for them. Everyone's different around how they see the best combination of um, optimal wellness for them and, and treating the whole person from the physical to the emotional, mental, and spiritual realms. 
all of it really plays into optimal wellness. And then of that's, course, prevention. That's what I was <laughs> just about to say is that what I know about you and your practice is, is to just highlight some of the things I heard you say is that you treat the cause not just the symptoms of what your patients are bringing in to you. And you treat and heal the whole person physically, spiritually, and emotionally by using an array of techniques. And I've particularly been working with you with Paul Nogé for our listeners. You have been learning from his son about and practicing auricular medicine, which has been so cool for listeners to know that Dr. Carlin works with the ear is, is literally a microcosm of the whole body. And there are places she will put needles that stay. I still have one needle in my ear that you placed from over three weeks ago. And, and yeah, and, and it's an immediate relief. It's almost like the needle goes to where a nerve is is almost just out of control um, and it just takes, like it makes it subside and it makes it just be at peace is my experience of the process. And you're, you're rewiring the brain in that way. Would that be accurate? Yes. Um, to, to clarify a few points, he said that beautifully. Please. Uh, yes, but please clarify. But just to clarify. Yeah. Um, so the ear is a microsystem in the body, just like you said. And it's, it's not really nerve endings. The cranial nerves that innervate the ear give it a direct correlation to the brain and the spinal cord, which is the central nervous system. So um, what uh, Dr. Noget found, who's a allopathic MD who is no longer with us, but his son is continuing his work, like you said, Raphael Noget, um, who's also an MD, he found that there's actually um, placement all over the ear for uh, reflexes that go to certain places on the body. And this is why when I treat a point on the ear, it can have instantaneous results. And you've yes. experienced this where you yeah. come in, I say, what is the number of pain at this specific area? Because I want to know how much I can reduce it. I put a needle in on your ear and I have you walk around and check out the pain. And it's almost always 50% or more reduced just in the moment at the office after the needle's put in. Yeah, which is like, it's so much fun. It's just so much yeah. fun to help people with pain because it's miserable. It's terrible to walk around with pain. And, and especially if you're on pain medication, which causes all sorts of side effects so, and very difficult to get off of. So um, I love being able to help eradicate pain from the body. And this is one of the best things I've ever seen uh, to be able to do so. So, so. The, the thing that Noje also recognized was that as pain or any condition enters the body, it can go through three phases of um, uh, levels of, of degeneration. And the first phase is when it's acute and not very deep, but more superficial. The middle phase is somewhere along the timeline where it's starting to enter into um, uh, difficulty to self-correct. And then the last phase, is starting degeneration, and the body really has a tough time to autocorrect that um, at that stage. Without intervention, at that stage, yeah. So he found that these places on the ear actually flip; they actually change depending on what level, what phase you're at. And that was something that was significant that changed um, the auricular medicine that the Chinese used, which was kind of based on Noget's original, uh, not Noget, but yeah, Noget's original discovery, but um, it also has 
a greater impact on the successful cure to be able to go through the phases. And then there's a lot of other things that play into it. There are blockages to being able to correct these um, uh, okay. systems of the body that have been offset. So uh, pain is a blockage, but it doesn't have to show up as a blockage. But there are other things that occur that only through this testing, this through the pulse, that Noget not only has a treatment, the auricular medicine has a treatment aspect, but it also has a diagnosis aspect, okay. which you've experienced where I hold your pulse. Yes. And I figure out what is going on in your body. Because even though you come in and you say, I'm having sacral pain, I can find out that it's actually coming from your cervical spine or it can be coming from a separate part of your body that's impacting your sacrum. And that's really the key is having the body be able to give me information around what is really happening and not just your symptoms, which are just a manifestation and a, a way the body can communicate to us that something's wrong. Will you talk to us as well that um, my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're also working with the body's electromagnetic field in this work? Is that that correct? That's correct. Yeah. You talked to us about how. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the pulse that I'm using is not just a regular pulse. It's um, the VAS. It's called the VAS, V-A-S, the Vascular Autonomic Signal. And what Noget found is that when you bring a filter into a person's electromagnetic field by the body, which is not your aura or it's, it's something that you can quantify okay. um, with measurement and um, that is produced by anything living or artificial, right? That you know about EMF that come off of your computer and you want to, you know, your TV and yeah. everything electrical has an electromagnetic field. Everything living has an electromagnetic field, electric magnetic field too, because we're like kind of natural batteries, right? So we emit mm-hmm. energy. Um, what he found is that when he brings this um, filter into the person's electromagnetic field, the pulse will jump, and that's the bad that I'm feeling. And then I can get a baseline of where your EMF occurs and how it changes when I put different things um, into your your field of energy. And that's how I determine what is the, not just what's the cause of the issue, but also what's the best treatment, whether it's acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, homeopathy, supplements, dietary changes, you know, and the list goes on. And then I can determine the best protocol for my patient from their body, which is the wisest place to go. (laughs) Yes. The natural intelligence of the body to heal that our bodies want to heal. And so you're tapping really into do. that natural process yeah. and listening yeah, exactly. to it. Yeah. Which, and for our listeners, so it, it's really quick as well. This is not being in your office, you know, waiting for an hour and then you figuring out what is going on in, in two hours. You can do hour sessions after a bit, 30 minute sessions even. And it's very direct and, and quick that you just take a read, the needles go in. And I leave feeling better and it's long lasting. Mm, Yeah, that's the other thing you mentioned is how it's a semi-permanent needle. So this is a very, very, very tiny, tiny needle. It has um, uh, barely um, comes off of your ear. It's very easy to just walk around, shower, do whatever you need to do while it's in your ear. And um, but what we need to do to really reset the brain and rewire it is to have a constant signal to the brain so that it can choose that path that it's forgotten. 
kind of like hiking in the woods. You want to go down the path that's really well worn and not weed whack a new path. But a lot right. of times the brain is used to that path that's well worn and it's forgotten the path and healing, uh, you know, place to recovery. So, so what we're doing is we're like weed whacking a new trail for the brain and we need to have that constant information so they can choose it over and over again. I like that picture, like weed whacking a new trail for the brain to, yeah. to start going down that path. And the other one gets overgrown and isn't used anymore, the pain pathway. That's right. And we're changing our synaptic connections so that our brain can, can work the way that it really wants to, but it forgot from whatever causation happened. So I'm going to, a question I have for you, and I, I want to say something to our listeners before is I'm curious as to what are the predominant, like what are the most frequent types of issues you treat? And I want our listeners to know, you mentioned Dr. Carlin pain and treating pain and, and I, it's such an epidemic in our country, chronic pain and the addiction to opiates and how it's harming so many people because the addiction is so powerful and so strong. I work with a lot of clients that have addiction to pain pills and it's, it's really challenging. It's very painful for them to be addicted to something that often they have lost their jobs over because the, the effects of the drugs wear down over time and they're taking more and more and more to some cases they can't work. And it's just so debilitating. So I really encourage anyone out there who is in the LA area to go see Dr. Carlin to help with your pain reduction in a way that is more natural and truly effective. And I wonder if there's anything else you have to offer around that, Dr. Carlin, that you've seen in your practice around treating people in, in chronic pain. Yes, I, I have seen what I would call miracles, honestly. I, I'm amazed. I have childlike enthusiasm about the work that I'm able to do with these techniques. Um, you know, I, I had a patient who had 30 years of back pain, and I treated her one time, and her back pain never came back. And this is uh, over 10 okay. years ago, and she's still a patient of mine. So I've treated patients who've had their orthopedic surgeons say, this is bone-on-bone -bone arthritis. You'll not be able to get rid of this pain without surgery. And um, using another technique called Dr. Tan's balancing method, which is um, based also on Chinese medicine and, and how the, all of the meridians operate together and how you can, how you can treat away from the site of um, injury to be able to bring balance and restore balance back into the body and open up channels. And it's amazing. It's, you know, something that, you know, also is one of those, uh, you know, uh, feels like it should be impossible, but it's not. Um, yeah. and, and it's really great for surgery uh, after surgery because you can't treat the, the site. Um, just like the ear is also amazing. But I, it, it depends on what the individual needs. It goes back to really treating what comes up with the individual. But I've had... Um, you know, the patient with bone-on-bone -bone arthritis, she, this was, again, like eight years ago, has had no pain after her treatment was complete after five weeks. And, um, and she was eight out of 10 pain. Yeah, it's just so exciting. And I think probably the most um, surprising for me is when I had my ACL surgery on my okay. knee a year and a half ago, and I did not have to have one pain med. That's awesome. It was, I, I actually had someone go out and buy the two bottles of pain meds that the doctor prescribed 
because I just assumed I had my whole, you know, I had a five hour surgery. I figured at least for a day or two, I'd have to have pain meds. I came home from the hospital with an eight out of 10 pain. I put needles in my ear and within seconds, it was down to a two out of 10. And within the hour, it was zero. And I slept 10 hours at night. And I did have to do acupuncture um, on my body as well and do more ear needles a couple days later. But after five days of treatment, I didn't have to do any more treatments and I didn't have any pain. I would, the pain would go up a little bit. I would treat it and it would go away. And that was such a significant moment for me, even after at that point, you know, 16 years of practice to experience it personally, just gave it in that kind of, I've experienced it personally the entire time I've been practicing, but that I've never had surgery before. And having had something that seemed so profoundly invasive to be able to still avoid pain medication was just, um, it was like a dream come true, I have to say. Yes. And it sounds like it really brought this practice to life for you and in a new way, like a rejuvenated connection to what you're doing and how this helps people. It it definitely upped the level of desire to get people off pain meds. And that hadn't been present for me before where I um, had that kind of focus. But because I, you know, when my first day of physical therapy after my knee surgery, the man who was sitting next to me, you know, I said, hey, how are you? And, and he's like, yeah, it's two months after my surgery. I'm just weaning off the pain meds now. It's been so oh. hard and oh, telling yeah. me about the side effects. And, you know, we started physical therapy and I basically was almost at the same level as him in my first day. And, you know, he was definitely beyond me because he'd been coming for a month and a half, but it was really, really remarkable. And it was, you know, I did a lot of homeopathy. I did a lot of supplements. I did prehab and, and, you know, before I even had the surgery. So there's a lot of preparation. I don't want to make it seem like all I did was the needles on my ear. Um, There was a lot more to it, but it was, the needles were the significant impact on the pain and that helps the recovery tremendously. So I hear you can assist your patients with pre-op care that before a surgery to come into you for treatments and guidance can be immensely effective. I've been doing that um, my entire duration of my practice. And every time the, the doctor, the surgeon afterwards says, I have never seen a patient heal this quickly after surgery. And, um, and so that's something I have been doing for a long time. It was this, it was this personal experience of, post-operative care that really um, makes me want to help people. I wish I could just go to hospitals right after surgeries. And and it's something that I actually, there's a naturopathic doctor that works in hospitals that I told him I'd be willing to help um, establish a program like that uh, um, in the hospital that he's working in that's in LA. So we'll see how that unfolds. There's lots of projects I have going on. Yes. You know, you you offer a lot of different services and Dr. Carlin's website for our listeners to know about. And if you're available and want to hop on to it, it is wellbeingmc.com. Wellbeing, M like man, C like cat.com. And so you do things like acupuncture, you've talked about applied kinesiology, biotherapeutic drainage, craniosacral therapy, facial rejuvenation, herbal medicine, you spoke about homeopathy, muscle energy stretching, neuro-emotional technique, which I want to talk about. You consult nutritional and lifestyle counseling and vitamin injections. So you do a ton of stuff. How, how did you come to this practice, Dr. Carlin? 
in your own life? Hmm. You know, um, the way that I was raised, um, my mom always read Prevention Magazine. And it was... Excuse me? I didn't say anything. Uh-huh. I think there was a glitch. Oh, oh okay. Um, and, you know, when I was born, I was born at a time where breastfeeding wasn't popular and it was actually looked down upon. And my mom fought for the right to breastfeed me in the hospital where nurses were giving her a hard time. And she knew that her breast milk was the best thing that I could have to prevent, you know, illness and to, to help me thrive as a newborn. And, and, you know, over the, the newly formulated um, formulas that they were giving babies that were like just the popular thing to do. And she, she raised me that way throughout my childhood where I barely ever had antibiotics. I didn't have radiology um, unless it was, you know, required. But she was always empowered with doctors. She never huh. just took what they said as authority. She, she looked at it and she thought, does this make sense to me? And I love that. I love yeah. that kind of influence that she had on me. And she was right every time. Every time that she said, no, we're not doing this. She had a valid reason. And in retrospect, I look back and I was like, how did you know that? So yes. I, think that I think that we all have that. We all have this ability to choose what is coherent for us. But we have limitations in our own knowledge that can cause fear around what to choose. And also, we have a model of um, doctors who usually are very authoritarian. So, um, so when I was looking to choose what to do, at first I was actually interested in psychology. And um, after exploring that for a while, I realized that I really wanted to help the entire individual. And, um, and everything that I chose was in the service area from when I was very young. I was always empathic. I could always feel other people's pain and I didn't really understand it, but it was very much like um, a motivating factor of wanting to do something about it. It's kind of like, you know, um, uh, in some ways it's, you know, pain and suffering. uh, The best gift it gives us is the desire to change it. So, um, so that's what kind of influenced me to be on this path. But uh, I was actually, on my way to medical school, allopathic mm-hmm. medical school, and um, somebody told me about naturopathic medicine, and it was one of those coherent moments in my life where I read about it, and I thought, this is exactly it. There is no yes. doubt in my mind. And at that time, it was 21 years ago, and it was not a popular choice by far. Right. There's still only 6,000 naturopaths in this country. It's, really? You know, a very small population. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very small population and not even every state is um, licensed. So um, so it was a very like kind of pioneering choice. And they even said that to me at the interview. They said, are you willing to be a pioneer? And my response was, you know, it's not important to me what the popular belief is. What's important to me is that I know in my heart, this is my purpose in life. Yes. And it has not wavered for the entire time I've been practicing I love it today more than I did, you know, the day before. It just is the best possible thing. And combining it with acupuncture, which is something that I did not think I would do because it was a very long road to yes. um, get double boarded. But uh, 
that really brought it all together. The combination of the Western medicine of naturopathic medicine and Eastern medicine of Chinese medicine yes. makes everything that a patient brings to me fit into a beautiful puzzle that I have every piece to be able to complete it for them. So that's a, believe it or not, a shortened version of my story. <laughs> that's beautiful. And I just hear your passion and love. And from knowing you too, that I know I can tell our listeners that you love what you do and you're passionate and you bring everything to that moment to, to help us want to feel better and to be better. It really, it really is a beautiful uh, gift for me to be on the journey with my patients to um, not just help them, like you said, physically, but also help them to have all of their um, actions, their, uh, how they're showing up in life to be on purpose with where they want to go in life so that they can really know what it's like to, to share this feeling I have where everything I'm doing is coherent with my life purpose. Yes. I, I think to go back to what you were sharing a few moments ago, that a highlight that I think is important to spend a moment on for our listeners is when, is when you said with doctors, how your mother would, uh, would question and, and be curious about what was suggested and prescribed. And instead of just, saying yes to things that maybe felt weird or off or didn't resonate. So I, I really think it's an important message for listeners to know that it's okay to question your doctors and to talk to them about what is this prescribed path of treatment. If you're unclear about it, to write down your questions. I always advise my clients when they're going through a health issue that's complex Let's, let's write down some questions you want to ask the doctor that you're not understanding so the time is used efficiently. Often people might forget what they want to say if it's not written down. And to really just have your need met when you go in for your appointment. And if something doesn't feel right, to pause in the process. I think that's really important. I grew up as the daughter of a doctor. My father's an anesthesiologist. And so my experience of medicine was really positive because he, um, the doctors, first of all, always treated me really well because I'm Dr. Tahir's daughter. And he, he taught me to question, like, you don't need a bunch of medication. You don't, you don't need that. Like, what is this they want to give you? Let's look at it. Let's see if it's really necessary. And is there another way to treat this issue and problem? So I feel really blessed by having that experience. And I like to pass that on to my clients as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's a, a beautiful relationship that can be established, the doctor-patient relationship, um, to create that safe container that patients really feel like they can fully show up with what their concerns are and, um, and stay within their own standards of integrity around how they want to live their life. Because the... For me, the doctor's purpose is to serve and support where the patient is. Not, it's not about my goals with the patient. It's about their goals and what they want. And, and um, you know, my desire is to be of service. So it really is whatever that looks like for each individual. And, and the, the way that I treat people, I think you asked me a while ago, what's the, commonly, what's the common things I treat? Yeah. And um, the, the, the basic answer is I treat everything because I treat the individual. So the common complaint, whatever their complaint is, their chief complaint is, um, is secondary to me being able to show up to treat whatever it is that's going on for them and support their physiology and support their lifestyle. Um, the things that I have most commonly treated are endocrinology disorders and gastrointestinal disorders, 
allergies, acute and chronic infections. We talked about pain, emotional distress, weight loss, you know, women's health care, men's health care. But it really is just because that's what I've mostly seen. I've seen a lot of pediatrics. I do pregnancy care. I'll do whatever um, care is needed that my patients show up with. But the, co- the things that usually come to me are in those categories. So yeah. I've done a lot of work with those. And even more serious issues like Crohn's disease, Cushing's and Addison's. I know you yeah. you treat those conditions as well. So someone out there listening that has even the common cold, I would say go to Dr. Carlin and see what can be done to to cure what is going on faster and more effectively at the root cause of it. I'm really glad you brought up the common cold because it seems so simple to just um, take Tylenol maybe to suppress the fever or to uh, take some cough medicine and suppress the cough. And those are actually kind of um, important decisions that you're making around a, a you know a, a relatively benign process because the body has such a great defense mechanism with fever and the mucus production is part of how we get the pathogen out of our lungs and being able to produce that mucus and cough it up. So, so the way that I treat is giving that biotherapeutic drainage that you talked about and also anything else to be able to kill the pathogen, the correct pathogen, right? Because it's not just bacteria, but it can be bacteria, a virus, a fungus, you know, candida, a parasite, you know, the way that we get infections are just from our environment. So it's just because allopathic medicine mostly deals with bacterial infections that um, the others aren't really looked at in the same way where they really should be all treated similarly. It's just having the right medicine for the right, for the pathogen that's showing up. But also those little, those little moments of like the common cold are really just such yeah. a great way to support your physiology instead of suppress it. And it's just, it's going to make things better as we age and our physiology slows down just a little bit. Not that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. This is doing the right thing. Yeah. Like no, that's great. As an indicator of health. Uh-huh. And that's great about how I wasn't sure what biotherapeutic drainage was. I know a lot of what you do, but not, not all of these techniques. So that helps specifically with the cold flu, bronchitis, et cetera. Biotherapeutic drainage helps anything that a person shows up with. It's, um, it's the, the theory behind biotherapeutic drainage is giving the cells in the system that is being affected the information, the cofactors, the coenzymes, the, um, the, the things necessary for every cell to do the reactions it needs to do to utilize um, their, the, the nutrition that's in there, to utilize their, the capacity supposed to be producing and, and excrete what it needs to excrete so that the entire system functions better physiologically. So it upregulates the physiology of the system that I'm in. So it doesn't matter what system but um, a cold is just a great one, a great example, because it can make a fever efficient. Mm. Instead of suppressing a fever, it can actually make it efficient so that it can lower a fever enough so that it doesn't cause the um, acute symptoms like the achiness and uh, the, the feeling of lethargy. But it can also keep the fever high enough so it actually kills the pathogen, which is why a fever is produced. Okay. Very cool. You know, something, something, yeah. You know, you talked earlier about um, 
working to get something going with working with hospital patients. And I know in your work, giving back is really important to you. I don't know if this is an aspect that's developing, but I wanted you to talk to our listeners about some of the ways you do give back and how that being of service component is so important to you as, as a person. Yes. Thank you. Um, I, like, like I was saying before, coherence, you know, the life can be really simple if we just look at what is coherent and what is incoherent. And in my life, coherence is, means being of service and having that balance between what I do um, for work and what I do to volunteer, to, to be able to give back to communities in general. And for many years, I was the gratitude manager for the Blue Deer Center. The Blue Deer Center is a... Um, uh, a place in the New York in New York's Catskills, where um, it's uh, on sacred land where indigenous tribes used to come to um, to work out peace between each other, and so it's a beautiful land, and um, it was made so that indigenous healing traditions around the world would have a home, so that they weren't lost um, because a lot of them aren't being passed down from generation to generation anymore because of the development of the countries that they're in. So it's this, uh, it's this place where um, healing traditions are passed on and also a place where healing can be provided for people. And I was the gratitude manager. So whenever anyone did anything for the Blue Deer Center, I would, and my team would send them um, a form of gratitude. And gratitude is just a beautiful thing to be a part of. Um, there was actually this recent neuroscience study um, that showed many things that you can do on a daily basis to um, increase happiness. And they showed that, you know, which we know, gratitude, uh, receiving it or giving it or is um, uh, something that can, on a fun- functional MRI, light up the joy center of your brain. And what they also found is that just looking for what you're grateful for, even if you don't find it, can actually light up the same center of your brain. So um, so I got to be a part of the gratitude team at the Blear Day Center for many years. And recently I shifted my volunteer work to a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to healing um, through restoring balance and harmony with the world by reestablishing ancient wisdom, helping to dispel fear, promoting respect and inner peace and bringing forth the sacred value of love so that all of humanity may reconnect as one. And we're very much dedicated to being able to uh, break down the walls of isolation that separate us so that we can reconnect in the way that we used to when we were just tribes sitting around a fire. And sharing stories and, and ancient healing traditions and techniques using plant medicine and spirit medicine and employing the elements wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And I think of what you're saying. I think of principles of feng shui and energy healing. And it sounds like all of these things are important to you and your life and wanting to to pass them on to others, preserve them. There's a place um, for all healing traditions and being able to uh, have them so that we can utilize them for uh, not just our personal wellness, but for the optimal wellness of our community and even further out into the world is something that's very important to me. So 
Um, I focus on the ones that I haven't I've been able to develop and study and uh, learn so that I can provide that for others. But I think that there's a place for every kind of healing that is effective and um, useful. And combining, combining the Western traditions with the Eastern traditions is what you've been speaking about today as well in your practice and in the way you give back, I hear. Yeah, yes. Um, it's a beautiful combination. I, uh, I, I feel very, very grateful that I had the ability to do both programs um, and, and be able to put together the, the tools I have. It's, it fits really nicely. Western and Eastern medicine really help to answer uh, all the questions that when a patient comes in, you can see how everything fits together. So, uh, yes, <laughs> I'm glad that I I'm glad that I got it, uh, the tools I need to be of service. Yes, you, de- you definitely have them. And when you're another big component of your work, in addition to the physical ailments we've talked about, are emotional ailments and how my expertise is dealing with the emotional and the spiritual, not as much the physical, though I know everything, the emotions resonate through our body. We're living in a physical body. So naturally what we feel and think manifest in in that dimension. And you you use neuroemotional, the NET, neuroemotional technique, which is about the physiology of emotions and the limbic brain, which is which is causes us to feel what we feel and it's the brain that's feeling emotional impulsive and not logical and I wondered if you could talk to our listeners that might be in some emotional distress and how you can help them I would love to um I think that that uh there are many there are many emotional situations that come up that we can process out of but some of them kind of are a repeating record and this is when we know that we need a little help to be able to get out of that skipping record groove and go on to the next thing. Um, NET combines a lot of different uh, theories um, in its uh, you know, in its technique, and one of them is that uh, there's an accumulation disorder that can occur when we have a um, a certain kind of event occurring over and over again. That repetitive nature of it creates a more of a um, heightened reaction so that when something has occurred the 20th time, our reactivity is much greater than when it occurred the first time. Yes. So accumulation disorders occur and, and it's very hard to unwind them on our own because they're a pattern in our brain, in our limbic brain, that's hard to access where um, there are some techniques that can access it and NET is one of them. Uh, in talk therapy, we're accessing more of the neocortex because we're, we're, we're rationalizing our thoughts and our actions and behaviors, right. and that's really important. It's important to understand, to have the comprehension so that the neocortex can calm down a little bit and the limbic brain can be, can be treated. So um, the other kind of reaction that we have is kind of like um, a Pavlovian one where something that is not related to the trauma has become integrated, a stimulus response kind of pattern has occurred, kind of like, you know, Pavlov, Pavlov with the, the bell and food. The salivating the dog dogs, yeah. Salivate. That's right. So it's the same thing where, you know, um, I use this example on my website where 
you know, we fall down and get hurt. And what's a common thing that our parents do? Oh, let me give you some ice cream or let Mm -hmm. me, you know, let me soothe you in some way that isn't directly correlated to you falling down and getting hurt. And so then we we create that. We pair, you know, food makes me feel better. Right. Um, Or uh, another way that occurs is, um, you know, we're riding our bike and uh, a dog, you know, passes by. And at the same time, we go over a bump and we fall down. And Mm. so it has nothing to do with the dog, but now we've paired it with the trauma. So there's all these kinds of pairings that are occurring in our life. And some of them are benign, like I said, and we just process through them and it's not a deal, but some get stuck. And so this technique is able to be a um, kind of a homing device. It's like a heat seeking missile to what is that causative factor in our life. And it goes back to the age that that first time it happened where we had that, you know, um, you know, point zero that uh, okay. experience where, where um, our first trauma occurred. And then if we can heal that and cure that through, um, uh, you know, pulse points and um, tapping on the spine and, and going into uh, that place in our limbic brain and really feeling the emotion of that first time, uh, things get cleared away. I had a, mm. a great experience with a patient who, when the phone would ring and she could see on the caller ID it was her mom, she'd immediately yes. get into like a hundred time reaction of anger. And wow. just a few treatments. Yeah, I mean, that's how accumulated the disorder was for her. Within a few treatments, she was like, yeah, I invite my mom to Christmas dinner and I am not, I'm, I feel neutral. I feel really, that's a miracle. I feel really great. To be in neutrality and, for that. Yeah. Neutrality. Neutrality for our life experiences as things that happen, but that don't run our stories in our brain so that they're not affecting our decisions that we're making, which is really the ultimate goal, right? We want to be it is. neutral towards um, looking at our life so that we can make a decision that isn't um, influenced by a negative life story, but something that's our, our passion and our life purpose so that nothing gets in our way and blocks us from having the joy and abundance that we want in our life. I agree. And and I know that Buddhist tradition talks about non-attachment. And for me, that's been a hard one to fully embrace and, and feel like I can do that. Yet when I think of neutrality, it somehow feels a bit different. If one can feel neutral as opposed to overly, overly attached, underly attached. So I think it's, it's a goal that's, that we can work towards to not be so elevated. You know, yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up attachment theory because I've actually been looking at that. Um, okay. Well, you didn't bring up attachment theory. You brought up the, the idea, the Buddhist idea of non-attachment, which is beautiful. Beautiful. It's important. And it's really, um, it's really uh, necessary for us to not have false expectations and be let down and, and just being able to live life in the moment and, and really, um, you know, embracing how things show up. Um, how things leave our life, how things come in. Um, but there's an attachment theory and, and uh, many, many books and published papers about it and how um, some forms of attachment are really uh, very necessary and good. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so that could maybe suit this part of you that, um, that, could, that feels like uh, maybe you have to resist being attached because there is a human need to be have um secure attachments with others and connection and yes 
through connection. And I think, I think it's that balance between um, non-attachment and attachment that's healthy. That is, that is the, um, the goal for what we need to attain. But the complete non-attachment I think is maybe if you're a Buddhist monk sitting, you know, meditating all day long, that could be something that you attain. But I think for the rest of us humans, um, and then there's this book called Attached. That's really great. I love that um, book. It's a great book for oh, any listener out yeah. there. Attachment. I mean, yeah. I've written articles about our attachment style, be it secure, yeah. avoidant, or anxious, relates to our yeah. relationship with money. Do we have a secure relationship with money? Do we have an anxious relationship with money or an avoidant relationship? So I'm curious your thoughts as, okay. we're, as we're ending, if that's how you'd like to end, unless there's something else you want to talk about. I think that, um, you know, that is just one example of how there's so many ways to look at um, whatever it is that's causing, like you said, you know, I struggle with uh, non-attachment. So whatever the struggle is, there's so many ways to look at it and to find the path of least resistance so that optimal wellness, emotional, physical, spiritual can be attained. And I, I think that's, the most important thing that I want to um, leave everyone with is that uh, if you are feeling incoherent with something in your life, the the path to optimal wellness is just finding coherence that matches your standards of integrity and your life purpose. And whoever can provide that for you, whatever healthcare pr- practitioner in any realm, that is what I would encourage for everyone to seek out. Thank you, Dr. Carlin, for being with us today. It's been such a pleasure to be able to feature your work as you've helped me so much. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a complete pleasure being here speaking with you and your listeners. And and how should clients, patients reach you to schedule an appointment? The best way to, um, to do that is to go through my website, wellbeingmc wellbeing medical center, wellbeingmc.com. And there's my phone number and all this information that we've talked about. Most of it is there in writing that you can look at. And if you'd like to uh, pursue an appointment, just give us a call and or email and we'd be happy to set that up for you. Thank you, Dr. Carlin. I look forward to seeing you in a, in a few weeks. I'll look forward to seeing you then too, Lisa. Fantastic. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes our show for today with Dr. Carlin of the Wellbeing Medical Center in Santa Monica, California. Join me next week as I bring you another guest, and I hope everyone has a really good week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.